You're listening to The Zen Courses Show, episode 47. I'm back. Welcome to The Zen Courses Show, the show for online course creators who care about building actionable, meaningful, and profitable online courses. If you're a solo entrepreneur, tech geek, or creative, The Zen Courses Show is the place to get expert advice for creating your online course, overcoming overwhelm, and growing a balanced business. To get the full experience, sign up at zencourses.co, where you'll get access to free lessons, resources, and more. Again, that's zencourses.co. What's up, everyone? My guest today is Bob Reynolds, a saxophonist and songwriter. Bob is also the founder of BobReynoldsMusic.com, where he teaches other saxophone players to practice smarter. Bob, welcome to the Zen Courses Show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Janelle. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We have uh, we've been connecting off and on online for a while now. Yes, and I'm really excited to chat with you and and your school. So let's start off. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm a saxophone player now for a couple of decades. Um, I mean, that's that's what I do. I'm a professional saxophonist. I play. I record. I tour. Um, and also. Always a part of that has been teaching in some way, but I mean, it, it's it's developed greatly over the years. Um, so that's now a large part of what I do. But I teach in my own, uh, as you kind of mentioned, through my website. So we'll get more into those details. But uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've played with a lot of different uh, people. The first question I almost always get, like on an airplane <laughs> when people see my saxophone uh, cases, oh, is that a guitar? Uh, and second question is, uh, when I say no is, oh, I say it's a saxophone. They say, are you in a band? So I might as well just address both of those questions up front. No, it's not a guitar. (laughs) Um, and I'm in bands with an S. Um, I'm not, I'm not really in a band. What I do is definitely falls under the umbrella of freelance, um, but it's kind of like a, it's a big hybrid situation. So sometimes I'm, I mean, often I'm what's referred to as a sideman. I'm in somebody else's band for one night or one week or one month or one year. I mean, it's been a lot of different things um, over time. And then other times I'm the band leader and, and I'm putting the groups together. So I've I've released se- six, seven albums of my own at this mm-hmm. point. Um, I spent about six years touring in in guitarist and songwriter John Mayer's band. Uh, and I've played with a lot of people like, you know, I do a lot of pop work, Josh Groban, Michael Buble, Usher, things like that. I'll do recordings and performances with them. And then mostly I'm playing with a lot of great musicians that the world at large has never heard of uh, in the, in the (laughs) jazz and jazz related fields. And that's kind of, um, that's what I that's that's sort of the the performance side of things for me. Okay. So, well, I was going to ask, you already answered. Um, so you know, just so people know, it's you don't just play jazz. You're you're in other other bands as well. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, um, there's a great old quote. I I need to actually track this down and make sure it's accurate. But I believe it comes from the old New Orleans pianist and songwriter uh, James Blood Ulmer, who said, "Jazz is the teacher, funk is the preacher." <laughs> I <And> love that. <laughs> that uh, that's a fitting motto for where I come from. So I mean, yeah, jazz is like. It's just it's a language. It's a language yeah. that that 
that uh, a lifetime of study and and continuing to study it just allows me to um, to speak in all sorts of different styles and genres, you know. So um, it's just weird because like jazz, the word jazz can mean so many different things depending on who you're talking to and whatnot. But suffice it to say, it's it's just a way of communicating musically that allows me to kind of fit into lots of situations. At the end of the day, I'm not ever judging anything like well is well is it jazz or is it something else it's i'm just looking for good music to be a part of yeah absolutely i mentioned you know what i mentioned all these people i didn't even mention the band that i'm really a part of that everybody listening to this should check out which is called snarky puppy i don't even know why i'm like that's like the most <laughs> active thing i do right now i'm telling you if you do one thing well maybe if you do two things maybe do some other stuff first but number two go on youtube and look up snarky puppy because you'll you'll have mind blown by these guys they're incredible nine piece i didn't know you plus. were involved yeah that's cool that's yeah cool. i'm actually uh, nominated for a for a, a grammy this year with them um for an album we did called cult thank you we did an album last year called culture vulture cool, cool uh and it's up for a grammy this year and uh yeah they're a fantastic band so i tour with them and record with them and um yeah it's an incredible incredible thing very very inc- sophisticated music that's simultaneously very accessible and melodic and groovy and it's a really really awesome uh, band so nice well we could talk about this stuff forever (laughs) but it is time to uh time to help listeners get to know you a little bit better so i've got uh what i call the rapid five it's five quick questions for you you ready okay all right number one cats or dogs oh god dogs (laughs) okay number two and this is gonna be a little bit hard because you're a musician but what Uh is your favorite song of all time oh man oh god (laughs) that's okay let me uh favorite song that's that is an impossible question for me but um (laughs) let's see what's the first thing um okay type the one that pops up in the top five give me one that pops up in the top five uh, one that pops up in the top five. Uh, I mean, I don't. This is this is the only one that's floating to the surface right now, and I don't know why. But I'll go with it because uh, I'm a big Sting fan. But Fragile by Sting. Okay. Yeah, Sting is is great. And there's and I, that's just only because that's the first thing that floated to my consciousness. So there it that's is. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number three. Name your go-to comfort food. Uh cereal cereal's great isn't it (laughs) (laughs) all right number four if you could have one superpower but no one could know about it what would it be um i think it would be the the ability to go back a little bit in time and and redo like if i could redo a 12 to 24 hours Okay. That's what cool. I think. Like, you know, like you get to the end of the day and you're like, ah, I didn't do it. I didn't get stuff done today that I wanted to. But now that the day is over, I know what I should have done. And right. if you could go back in time and then redo it, that would be an awesome power to have. That's pretty cool. I'm not That's... even talking about like major things. I'm just talking about like, you know, it's, it's six o'clock and you're like, oh, if, if I had just done this differently and gotten to that instead of this. Anyway, that would be my superpower. So like you could spend a day watching Netflix all day and then say, oh, crap, I should have <laughs> I should actually did some work. Let me hit reset. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one. 
what is the hardest lesson you have learned as an entrepreneur thus far? Um, the hardest lesson. I think it, it, it continues to be, um, balance just, you know, when you, when you truly, when you work for yourself or in, you know, it, it, or if you build something that where you're creating a business and, and then other people work for you, whatever it is that falls under that entrepreneurial uh, umbrella, you can always be working. Um, and I love to work. So, I mean, because they're sort of the same thing, but I also have a family. And so trying to find um, those those margins and those lines and all of those dividers are is very challenging i think for me gotcha yeah it's an ongoing struggle yeah okay so we are here to talk about your online school virtual studio and the first question you know you are the first thing that popped up in my head when i said okay what am i going to ask bob you're a working musician you've just kind of laid out all of the stuff that you do so why start an online school i imagine it wasn't something you needed to start so so why do it um yeah it's a great question i so i started uh, I, in 2010 or 2010. Um, so I've been doing it a while now. And the reason, the initial reason was a couple of things combined. I had recently moved from New York where I lived for nine years to Los Angeles and I was new to Los Angeles. So because of that, I really had nothing going. I had a, a break in a tour. So I was on the road with John Mayer at the time I had moved from New York to LA. I didn't have anything in, in Los Angeles that was calling me there other than we were looking for a change of pace, et cetera. So, um, so I had nothing directly going on at that moment and I wasn't even on tour. Um, and, and simultaneously I had people reaching out to me, emailing me for lessons like, Hey, Bob, I'm from Italy. I'm going to be in New York. Can I get a lesson with you? You know, I had, I mean, I was touring with John, but I had one or two albums out of that I mean, I was getting started, you know, I had a little bit of saxophone players who some people who knew who I was. So I was getting some requests for lessons in New York and I wasn't there anymore. And then somebody started asking me for Skype lessons and then another person and then another person. And I did a few of those. And, um, and, and it was interesting, but it was also kind of, I found it clunky. Um, so, so I did a a number of those. And then like one, this one guy that I was kind of helping over Skype, he, he, um, he was a, he is a golf instructor in Jamaica and he's from England and he was in his forties and he, and he basically said to me one time, he's like, you know, we had this Skype lesson and that was great. Everything you said was interesting, but most of it went over my head. And then he said, but I, I didn't tell you, but I recorded it like screen recorded the Skype lesson and I've watched it like six or eight times over the last two or three weeks. And it really sunk in. He said, you know, you really should just record this stuff on a, and put it on video and then like and that was that kind of got the ball rolling yeah. um so it, i sort of fell into it i mean it wasn't it, it was definitely not anything that i ever sat around one day and was like you know what i think i'll do you know i'll i'll start a video <laughs> lesson kind of thing so that's how it started it really just helped i mean it started helping one guy and then two and then three and the tipping point was on a particular day I had I was trying to become more efficient about if I could just do these Skype lessons all on one day because the people are spread around the world. And I had a guy in I had this gentleman in Jamaica. I had a 17 year old in Cork, Ireland, a 32 year old in Hong Kong. And there was somebody like in Alabama or something. Um, 
and I try to squeeze them all in in one day. And at the end of the day, I realize like, okay, these are everybody's a different age, different part of the world, different amount of experience. And what I found myself um, telling them was mostly the same. And I don't mean yeah. that to sound like I was reading off some script and I was phoning it in. Quite the contrary, it was an eye-opening experience for me because I I think back on that moment as the first moment I realized that I had a position as a teacher. Like, I mean, uh, I guess what I'm saying is maybe a viewpoint or something. Like, I, I didn't think of myself as a teacher. I, I, not at all. But, but through that day, I was like, wow, trying to get each one of these guys to trying to help each one of them where they are. It, it pulls out, pulled stuff out of me that I realized I was doing that I wasn't even thinking about. And it was really helpful stuff for them. So that was the genesis of it. So I kind of got excited. And and also I had been building websites. Um, you know, I, I had built, built them for myself and I'd built them for friends. So I had some tech, I had some knowledge of that. But, you know, 2010 was like early years for, I mean, trying to put video online, yeah, host definitely. stuff. I mean, it was a, <laughs> so that, that was the beginning of a, of a, of a mountain climbing a mountain. <laughs> let's, let's stuff. talk about that mountain. So, I mean, I know, I think we initially connected like 2000, maybe 12 or 13. Um, yeah. and around that time, I remember you expressed, you were like, I have all these videos and I'm trying to figure out how to get everything structured. So yeah. let's go, you know, even earlier than that, what were some of the mountains and, and challenges that you encountered when you first started out? Um, you know, the, the first, okay. So I knew how to put a website together and I, I had, I had taught myself how to just, you know, use WordPress. I mean, I built websites before WordPress. So I started yeah. with HTML and I, and, and whatnot, um, somewhere around like 99, 2000 era. I remember having a book about that and I, I enjoyed it. Like it was some, I've always enjoyed it, like that process, um, and, and find it kind of, uh, I, well, anyway, I just used to make, enjoy making those sites. Then I learned how to use WordPress, et cetera. So I knew how to do that. So like, I understood the structure of what, how this could happen. I mean, and then, um, but in terms of some of the initial hurdles, it was like, obviously, I mean, I had a little bit of, I wouldn't even call it traffic. Let's just say interest. <laughs> you know, I had some people interested. Okay. So I had that, uh, I, I knew how to make, um, I had some experience making videos and stuff it's interesting. The more I look back on it, the more I realize I, I feel like I was almost, I don't want to say destined, but I was set up for this in a certain way because it, it really tied together a lot of skill sets that I had, had developed at different parts of my life. Yeah. Like before I got into music, I was into making movies as a kid. I thought I wanted to be a director. So I had like video equipment as a 10, 11, 12 year old. Um, and I used to make and edit videos back when you needed, when it was all just like VCRs and shoulder VHS cams. So that nice. was like a chapter in my history that I, honestly, I kind of never thought I would revisit, but it was there. Um, as a kid, I was also an actor. I used to do commercials. I was in some movies. So like I had experience being in front of a camera. I didn't like it, but I had experience doing it. I mean, the, the part about, I didn't like it, meaning I was more interested in being behind the camera, yeah. but, um, Okay, then obviously I had a thing like I, my what I really had was I'm a, I'm a saxophonist and you know had had something going there, um, and then the website. So all this stuff sort of came together, but the hurdles were like you know oh my god, do I choose this theme? Do I choose that? Do I host it here? Where do the videos goes? Like there were sites back then that were charging oh my god hundreds of dollars a month to host video. Um, like there was what was this site called? It was. Um, Oh God, that guy, Brendan Burchard, 
used it. Um, I can't even think of the name of the, it's not Vimeo, but there was another one. There were like a lot of services, mm-hmm. but, but hosting streaming or, or hosting video content online at that time was expensive yeah. and cumbersome, uh, let alone protecting it and putting it certain places and things like that. So those initial hurdles, um, I think I, I honestly don't even remember the site that I started with it was like started with a B, but I, I mean, I tried everything. I had like unlisted YouTube videos. I mean, I just was experimenting constantly, um, with all these different things. And, uh, and honestly, when I started, uh, my biggest fear was, oh, I don't have enough, like besides will this work at all? My next thought was, do I, I don't have enough content to, to really charge for, or how do you charge for this? Or like, what is a model that could possibly work for this? Yeah. Um, and, you know, fast forward and that we can come back to this, but like now, like I have different problems, you know, I have too much stuff, but, um, but yeah, those beginning things was just trying to figure out how to, how to pull all these pieces together, like between the website and the video, uh, and the hosting and the email and the, you know, just a lot of different puzzle pieces that I had to sort of Frankenstein together to make this, <laughs> to make a thing, you know, yeah, and that's paint, I love how you processing, all of that stuff, you know, whatever it was yeah. all a big, yeah. Every time I speak with someone who started in, you know, 2000, I think I even, the earliest is 2009, someone who had started putting content online, 2009, 2010, it's always the same. Like they're just kind of technology had to catch up with them. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, kind of have to it was exciting because it it, yeah, you could sort of see it. It was like on the horizon. I mean, it was, it was not even on the horizon. It was there. It was tangible, but it was this, you know, one thing was meant for this, it, like trying yeah. to put them together, rope them all together was still, it was early days, you know? Yep. Yeah, definitely. So what did the school look like when you got started? Can you kind of give us a little peek into, you know, what it what it was? I know you primarily have lessons, right? It's not exactly a course structure. Yeah, I mean, that's it's an ongoing thing I wrestle with. I've I've sort of I started with lessons. um, I began doing courses and I've sort of come back around to lessons and now I feel like I'm about to do another (laughs) course. So it's somewhat cyclical or seasonal. Um, you know, part of it falls under the heading of like, you can't please everybody. Some people, some, some of my members, um, have expressed, wow, I really love, like I'd make, I made a course or something like I really love this way of doing it. And then other people find it completely overwhelming to where that's going to be what causes them to cancel because they feel stressed that they can't get to the material because it's laid out like a course. So, um, yeah, I started with individual lessons, uh, and honestly, they just, I mean, there was no plan. I didn't, um, I, like I didn't spend a lot of time trying to come up with some curriculum and then shoot videos based around it. What I, what I was fortunate enough to understand early on, I think, and I still wrestle with it and have to remind myself of this, but that I'm pretty good at, at, I mean, I'm, I'm an improviser. That's what I do professionally with an instrument. And that's how I'm best as a teacher. Also, I try to pull structure in, in different ways, but when I try to do what I think I'm supposed to do as a teacher or something like when I try to go make it all very linear and, you know, a, I mean, B follows a and C follows B, it comes off incredibly dead and just, uh, cold. Whereas I was much better basically trying to do on video what I would do in front of a group of 12 to 50 people for a clinic or a master class. You know, I'm great in those environments. That's what I was trying to bring to people wherever they were in the world 
through the video and the website. So when I started, it was long videos that were basically these extended, they were like these master classes, right? Now at that time, again, my concern was if I'm going to charge people any money for this, like I, these better be some long videos, <laughs> um, you know, like, so they were, some of them were like 30, 40 minutes long and you know, I only had a dozen of them, so that was fine. Um, but that's where it's, that's where it started and it's changed a lot over the years. So when I do a lesson now, like a lesson back then was a 40 minute thing. Yeah. And now as both a manufacturer of content and a consumer of, of stuff too. My number one priority is how short can I make this thing yeah. and get, get what I need to get across on it. So I think whether it's a lesson or whether it's a part of a course, that's the question that's top of my mind every day. Um, what, what question am I trying to answer? What is this thing? How does it help? How can I dense, condense it as much as possible without shortchanging important parts of it, you know, so that, so that the person on the other side of it can see, it's like, you know, the deal, like we all see, when you look at a video and it's like, if you see that video is an hour long, yeah, you're like, you're just... okay, <laughs> if I'm really interested, I'll have to find another time to yeah, come back. To, you're like, right? I'll come back. And then you never yeah. come back and do you it. You never come back. And then, and if it's like four or, you know, there's all these different, we have all these, like, I think we, we just do it in instinctively. Now you see something like four, I don't know, 40 minutes, uh, whatever you see something that's like 12 minutes. You're like, maybe I can watch a part of it. You see something that's in the sort of five, if, if something's like seven, eight minutes long, you're like, I can do that. I, I'm, if I'm interested, I'll watch that right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I just try to keep in mind, like how I behave as a viewer, you know, then when I'm also the maker of, of those things, it, it's sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Like I said, some people want the 40 minute video and other people want, would rather have it like a, whatchamacallit, who's that, like lynda.com, you know, where they have a course and it's like every, every video is like a minute and 25 seconds long, but there's 50 of them, you know? So there's a lot of ways to, to come at it. And honestly, Janelle, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Still well, trying to figure it out. You know, yeah. speaking of video, Wistia published a, um, an article a couple years ago where they did, they did a study of, you know, the drop-off point and it's, it's what people expect around 10 minutes. There's like a big drop-off point and then yeah. it kind of, the kind of plateaus. And then the next one I think was around 20 minutes where it's just like people just completely tune out. So yeah, I mean, I think your instinct is right, especially when we talk about consuming content. I mean, I think back, when I look at videos, you're right. If it's if it's super long, if it's more than ten minutes, mentally something I can feel it. It's like yeah, ah. <laughs> yeah. So we have to keep in mind. And then on top of that, in this internet age, it's just there's so much, so many distractions. Instagram, Facebook. It's just you really have to keep things short and to the point. And I think it helps you become a better teacher. It definitely because does. you really think critically about what you need to put into that lesson, you know, like you said, to make sure you get the lesson across so that people learn what they need to, but yeah. also you just staying on topic, just keeping yourself and eliminating all the fluff. So, yeah. 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 There's, there's a, there's a, um, uh, I don't know again who to attribute this to, but like an editing maxim for just editing words is like, um, lose the first paragraph. Like when you write your first draft and like the, the second time you come back to it, just cut the first paragraph because more than likely you're it's fluff. It's like, uh, 
expositional, like it's unnecessary. And I've found that often is true with my videos too. I can almost chop, not, you know, the, the length is neither here nor there, but like that some part of the starting, it's like, you're just warming into it and you can just lose that part. You know, I don't do any fancy, um, intros like, yeah, I mean, I've tried uh, when I, it's p- almost painful when I see older videos of mine, cause I've tried everything. So like I used to have some videos and they had like a logo and a music sting and it like where I would introduce myself and I have such a different position on it now. It's just like, I want the first second where, where it, my, where I'm coming from is that this should feel to every one of my members, like they are having a private one-on-one with me, not like they're going through some there's no fluff, you know, there's not like, welcome to the Bob Reynolds virtual studio, you know, like, it's just me, like, it starts, boom, like, you just walked in the door, and we're, and we're hanging out, you know? Cool, cool. So let's talk about because you have, I mean, you started with the lessons you shared where you know, the Genesis story. And then what was the turning point where you said, I'm going to create a full school and a community because you have a community aspect right. as well. So why, why did you decide to really level things up in that way? Um, I think because at some point, so like, it, you know, I already talked about how it started. And then I begin when I saw that it was working and, and like there's something about that that excited me. I'm like, okay, this is working. I enjoy it. I can do all these things. And it's something I can earn money doing. And if I do it right, I can, it's actually, uh, somewhat predictable, you know, like this, this model fit for me more than like selling, um, something that was a, like a one-off or I, I hate selling. I mean, just absolutely loathe it. So, um, in terms of like trying to hawk products or something. Um, so for me, this was like, I really enjoyed because this was like getting to have, if I, if I just had a local shop and I taught lessons somewhere, I mean, this was that writ large. I mean, my, you know, that was what the opportunity I saw was. And, And I still am trying to always be figuring that out. Like, how do I basically scale myself to have, like lot a lot of one on one with students, but in a way that works. I can't have, you know, I can't have an hour lesson with everybody. It's just I couldn't charge enough to make it worthwhile for me and and all this stuff. So, um, the turning point was when I started to see it working. You know, meaning like it was working. They were like, yeah, there were hiccups. There were a lot of tech glitches here and there, but by and large, it was working. And it seemed to be like people were getting a lot of value out it out of it, and it was a fair trade, et cetera. Like I just thought, well, this is something that I, I had always been searching for something as a musician that I that could occupy my time better. Like one of the things that always drove me nuts was like, okay, there's gigs on the on some nights and on weekends, but what am I supposed to do the rest of the time? Like I, it's not my nature to just sit around and do yeah. nothing, and I'm not going to frankly practice like twelve hours a day. So like. I, I was just restless for years. Like what, there's gotta be something else that I can do. And I didn't want to do, uh, it wasn't like I was looking for a different job or whatever. This just fit seemed to that like it could fit or dovetail tail rather really well into what, what I already did and, um, and provide me with a way to like, to, to flex my entrepreneurial muscles, so to speak, to do something very proactive. I mean, so much of like what I do as a musician is you're waiting for the phone to ring. I mean, you're doing a lot of stuff in the hopes that the phone rings more, I guess would be the way to put it. But at the end of the day, 
you know, whether it's whether it's a, a one-off gig with Joe Schmo at this club or it's a, a tour that lasts eight months with John Mayer, you're still at you're still beholden to those people saying they need you, you know? And I really was drawn to the idea of something that I could completely have autonomy over and I could sort of create my own world and operate, you know, how I wanted to or whatever, and then continue to do everything else in and around that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's kind of switch gears and talk about your students. Okay. So for, you know, within your school, one of the things that struck me when I was reading your landing page is you kind of say this is for, for all levels. So how do you uh, structure the content so that, you know, people from different levels can all get something? Like how does, how does that work for you? Yeah. Um, so it's tricky. It's so the way that I call it, I mean, I call it, I'm sure somebody else has called it this too, but I call it laddering in just like if I, whatever the concept is, almost any concept. Um, I think there's a way, like if I had three people in a room with me, uh, and I've done some live, I've done two years of camps. Now I started a retreat and for saxophonist, and I've actually gotten to see, uh, a lot of these students in person, um, and actually have this, you know, happen for me where, what if I had three different people in a room of varying skill sets? So my approach is that if I were in that, if, if I was in that setting in person, I would take, and you said, we got to get this concept across. I could do it for each one of those people. It's just that you have to, you have to come at it a little bit differently, or, you know, maybe it's, um, a lot of times for me, it boils down to the fact that what I do as an, as a quote unquote advanced player is technically uh, doable by a novice player. It's not, it's not like that what I'm doing is so much faster or so much fast, uh, you know, or farther ahead, sort of almost the inverse. The more I've gone along, if I, I go slower and I'm a little more methodical and like, so the way that I come at teaching is so fundamentals oriented when it comes to both playing the saxophone and learning the language of jazz and improvisation, uh, that it's really like, oftentimes you find the guy who would be maybe the most advanced player in the room has all these glaring holes in his technique or in his knowledge because he's gone too fast and too sloppily through things over time. Okay. So what he needs the most or she needs the most is to slow down and get more focused on something that's that's happening smaller or slower. And and the person who's um, far less experienced, they can also do that thing too. So it doesn't work all the time and for everything. I definitely have lessons or courses that are more towards the, skew more towards the advanced side and some that skew more beginner. But as far as having a, a defined line where like this is for beginner, this is for an intermediate, and this is advanced, for me, I've I've so far not been able to do that. I've tried. I mean, I see everybody. I see this guy doing it with drum lessons, or these people do it. Like, I get it, and I and I also understand from the user perspective why you would want that. But uh, it just doesn't. It's been really hard for me. And and what I see time and time again is very often, and this is one of my favorite things. I'll put up a lesson. I did this last week. I'll put up a lesson, and it's one lesson, and I don't say, "Hey, this is for you if you're a beginner, whatever." And people will chime in about how great it was, how much sense it made. And they'll be all over the map experience, experience wise, because they they're getting different things from it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
It sounds like you're, and I, and I think I saw this on the landing page, but you're really focusing on fundamentals yes. of practice and playing. And those fundamentals, if what I'm hearing from that is those fundamentals apply regardless of what skill level you're at. Exactly. I mean, you're going to have a different headspace for them depending on where you're at. So part of the challenge is convincing the person who's more at the beginning of their journey that these fundamentals will get them where they want to go faster because that's the biggest hurdle. They, they're they like, really? This? This isn't what I'm looking for. So a lot of my job is just trying to um, inspire. I don't want to say convince, but like to show no, really, this is what leads to this thing over here. Okay, and here's this place you want to go, and we can talk about that and understand that, but you you need this over here. This. So, yeah. yeah, and it's it's it can be a tough sell, but one of the one of the things that I have people experience very um, quickly when they join over the first couple of weeks is some of these fundamental, these basic things. And I'll give them an, an exercise and a, I'll give them a le- like, watch this lesson, do this exercise, try it. And th- at that point, they're most eager, you know, they're most likely to try whatever it is. And, and the ones who do, they see that like every single time. I mean, I hate to say I've never, I've had like, uh, well over a thousand people go through. I've never had one person be like, Hey, I tried this thing and it didn't work. I mean, yeah. it works, uh, if you do it, but it's, it's on you to do it. Um, and, and the kind of stuff that I'm creating, it's not a, it's not a, how to use Photoshop, you know? So it's not like I can just say, okay, step one, go to the file menu, go to drop down here, go, you know, there, there's a guy that I was watching. Um, he does like he does tutorials on using Final Cut, the editing software. I think his name is Larry Jordan, and he's got all these great videos, and he has a really deep voice, and he, the way he teaches on video is really great. I mean, and he really, ha- everything is all, it's just very well articulated. But again, he's teaching a piece of software. Um, so it is it is something you can make linear, because you need, when you're learning that, that's exactly what you need. Yeah. I, I want to ask, how do I do it? The, the hard part for what I do is, you know, I have somebody says, I want to do X. How do I do it? And the real answer is, okay, great. You need to spend six years doing this thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not what they want to hear. Um, yeah. But it's not exactly so linear. It's a, it's a little bit more amorphous than that. So it's a, it is, that's why I lean so heavily on fundamentals. Cause that's, I do practice what I preach. That's where I'm coming from. They save me every, every day and twice on Sunday. Uh, it's, it's, and it, it, I just keep seeing those benefits over and over and over. And, and I've had the opportunity now to to meet some of my members and students around the world. Last year, I was in Spain. One of my members, a guy named Sergio, brought me to his town of Salamanca, Spain. And I did some clinics and performances. And just getting to, to meet these people and, and see the impact it's had on them as players, is it, it keeps me going. So what I love about this is, you know, one of one of my kind of unspoken missions is to really highlight that there's so many different ways to teach, especially depending upon what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think this story that you just laid out for us is, you know, for for this, you're you know, you're teaching you're you're not just teaching people how to play the saxophone, but you're teaching kind of the fundamentals of improvisation too. Right. And and really um, how you go about that is going to be different from someone teaching, like you said, a course on Final Cut or something more technical. I think that's something that we forget. We think that there's one way to teach and it's not. It's, It's really dependent on the subject and the learner. So let's let me ask, because, you know, we've talked about the different learning levels. 
But what would you say, and this might be a little bit hard to answer, but what would you say for people who sign up for your school, what is the one thing, what is the goal, what is the outcome that they're trying to achieve? Let's say they go through all of your lessons. What are they, what should they be able to do? My goal would be um, that, let's say, um, I think maybe ideally it would be like, if you spent two years with me, I, I have to be careful how I say this. I, I want to get the point across, so, I, so I'll probably have to come back and couch it at the end. But my goal would be like, if you spent two years with me, you never need a teacher again. Now, that's a sort of ridiculous statement because you're always going to have teachers and like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a teacher, but I'm a lifelong student. Like, I don't mean that. I just mean that like, I believe that there's a pro what my goal is to teach you how to be your own best teacher. A lot of people, what they're struggling with is they're unaware. They don't know what they should be listening for, what they should be doing. So I want to teach people, um, the, it's not just the fundamentals, but like how to be aware of what the fundamentals are and how they relate to the things they want to do. When people are reaching out to me, the things they want to do, nobody's ever saying, Bob, I really just want to be able to play an A flat major scale in thirds. They're not saying that they're saying, uh, I, I, I feel like I understand some chords and theory, but I just can't seem to make music out of it. I can't play as fast as I want, or I, how come my, my sound just doesn't sound like the players I want to sound like, or I just really struggle at playing over this song. I can't remember tunes. I mean, they're all outcomes. And yeah. so, um, so what I'm trying to help people do is learn the tools and the process that will serve them to get to any and all of these outcomes as they go along. But it's but the idea is that you don't um, it's like you don't train for the outcome. You just you train for the process. The process is everything. When you get when you get that down and you understand how to be really I mean, people there's books about it now. People call it deliberate practice, mindful practice, whatever. But it's true. It's there's a very big difference between going through the motions and being incredibly present with what you're doing as you're doing it. So I can, you know, 20 minutes of really focused and present practice beats three hours of just going through the motions all the time. That's what I'm trying to show people. And if and and through not just the lessons, but I have like in the community that I have, I do monthly challenges, like I call them transcription challenges, which are basically their prompts, you know, sort of like here, this mission, sh should you choose to accept it kind of thing? It's not an assignment or a requirement, but I'm teaching you all this stuff. Here's a chance if you want this month to go get it here. And then you can post privately in our, in our forum and I can give you feedback or there's all these different ways I can give you feedback, et cetera. But the idea, the goal is that after a, a, some period of time, let's say two years, you really feel like I've had people, you know, who left the site after that period of time and they're, and I'll still, I'm still in touch with them. And they're like, man, you set me up. I, and it's like, I understand now how to analyze what I'm doing. And like, I'm not like lost anymore. And you know, it's always good to be reminded, but that's my goal, you know, is, is like to teach people how to be their own best teacher and not yeah. think, like it's a teacher that's going to make them play better. We all need teachers. We all, we all, that's, that's a fact. I'm not saying that it's bad to have a teacher, but I've had so many people who have like, a lot of my students are later on in their years. They're in their forties, fifties, sixties. And they're like, ah, it's been 20 years since I've played, or I played for 20 years and then I put it away and God, I wish I'd known this then this makes so much sense. You know, I always thought it was more mysterious than it actually needs to be things like that. Yeah, it sounds like you're, I mean, my mind is just firing right now because you're, you're teaching people how to trust their inner teacher. But, yeah, you know, there, I was just talking about this. Um, it's 
So there was an uh, an article that I read. I don't even remember what site I was on, but it was a teacher who had created this course for a classroom. We're talking about in, in a school. Yeah. And she was really excited. She created this experiential learning model, and it was just very, you know, higher order thinking. And, you know, when she rolled it out, the students basically said, okay, well, how are we going to be graded? What do you, what do you want us to do? What, what's the test? And she was so frustrated. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she came to find out that a lot of students nowadays, and I think this is across the board, you know, we're always trying to learn to the outcome. Yeah. Instead of going through the process or the experience and, and, and changing how we think about things and kind of trusting that inner, inner self. So I love that this is more of that type of teaching. And um, I can see why it's so impactful and it stays with people. For yeah. A long time. Yeah. Because they, what they like, they get us when they experience it and I get the email from them or something that says, Oh my gosh, I just did this. Or a guy posts in the forum is like, I've been quiet, but over the last four months I've been working on this. And now this just happened. Um, like that just, it may, it, I, my heart smiles, you know, it's like, yeah. yes, you, now you get it. That's it. You know, it's like, it's not about the outcome per se. I mean, yes, we're all trying to get better and head towards things. But when I go into the practice room day after day, year after year, I'm ne- it's never about like, like I don't practice for the gig, so to speak, you know, I mean, sometimes I got I have to learn music and everything, but I focus on process and process allows me to, to be flexible, to go in all these places. And that's at the end of the day, why are you playing the saxophone? Not to hold a hunk of metal, but because you want to be expressive. You want to do something with it. You want to make music. You want to communicate. You want to connect. And you're frustrated because when you're trying to make music, you're not connecting because you're stumbling and fumbling and you just don't know. And, and so the problem is think of it like tying your shoes. I have a, I have a five-year-old daughter and I'm just starting to like teach her to try to teach, uh, teacher to tie her shoes, which is crazy, ridiculous <laughs> hard, by the way, trying to teach somebody to tie a shoe. I, I had to go, th- I'm, I don't even know how I do it. I don't even know how I do it. I do yeah. it so fast, right? I mean, but it happens so fast and I'm trying to slow it down and show her the loops and it's just so cumbersome and frustrating. And and so the thing is like, for me, it's a, it's a perfect um, parallel in that you know, the, the person who's saying, well, Bob, I just can't seem to play, you know, be come up with, tell a great story when I'm soloing. Well, you can't even play, you know, the basic skeleton of the thing. You can't, there's nothing going on there. So that's like me telling my daughter, um, okay, well, if we just get you these fancy boots, you know, just go ahead and tie them and you'll be good to go. That's ridiculous. She doesn't have the muscle memory or the motions yeah. or anything. When you tie, when we all tie our shoes, we do not think about it. We've been doing it our whole life. It happens instinctively. And that's how that's how a, a a great jazz musician is playing. They're not thinking about what their limbs are doing. You know, they're not thinking all of this stuff. So you have to slow everything down and 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 learn a process for uh, allowing music to come from the external to the internal to then be externalized again and, and get all these things in sync. And when you slow it all down and you focus on accuracy and execution and like stuff starts to happen and you make connections. So you'd be practicing and, and, and synapses will be firing and you're not, you're not in a point of stress. All these people are come, they're stressed because they're trying to do things too fast and in the wrong direction, et cetera. So anyway, I could obviously I could go on, about this forever, <laughs> but, I love it. but that's what they get out of it. Okay. So 
This this has been great. I I can just feel your energy, and I I love talking to people who enjoy teaching. So let's before we move on to the final three questions, let me ask: Do you have any advice or tips for people, especially any musicians out there who want to teach themselves? Any tips for them? Yeah. Okay. Tip number one: be a be a listener first. This is absolutely the greatest advice I could possibly give you is be a listener first, meaning, yes, you're holding a guitar or you're playing the drum, but it doesn't matter what instrument. It does not matter. You should be listening before you're playing. And that might seem overly simplified, but you'd be amazed how many people are so focused on trying to play the instrument that they forget about what the music should sound like. So, I mean my whole goal as a saxophonist is just, I'm just trying to be able to do on a saxophone what I could do with my own voice. I mean, more than that, but that things come from a place of like music comes from you. It does not come from the instrument. So remember that. Uh, and then secondly, I would say that, and this would apply across any genre. I really would is that, um, the best thing you can do is spend a lot of time, not just listening, but trying to copy music you like. So versus like reading music or worrying about whatever, look, you need to get like, I can't just pick up uh, the guitar tomorrow and start like, I don't know the guitar. I'm going to have to learn to play the guitar. And there's going to be a lot of grunt work that goes with that. But as soon as I'm possibly able, the best thing I could do to accelerate my playing would be finding if i if i heard this eric clapton song and there's an eight bar guitar solo in there that i really like the best thing i could possibly do is try to copy that solo as soon as possible and if you if you go towards that the inspiration is never the motivation is never a problem you're always going to be excited because you're chasing something but if you're just like i just have to play these scales and whatever once you understand that the scales are an infrastructure to help you get towards making the music, then practicing the scales becomes enjoyable and not a chore. But if you start with the scales and you forget the inspiration part, you're never going to really get anywhere. Mm. Okay. Keep, keep the inspiration forefront. Yeah. It's never, it's never too, too soon to try to copy something. You know, I'll put on, I'm not, I'm not a good piano player at all, but I put on an Ahmad Jamal record and here's something that he does that's really interesting. I'll go to the piano and just try just try to figure it out. You don't need any, you know, I'm just just trying. It's it's great. That's cool. I have failed at learning the guitar about twice now. So I'm Me gonna, too. Me too. <laughs> I am going to remember that the next time I, I look for a guitar teacher. I'm gonna if you, grill them. Well if you get if, you know, all you need all you need, Janelle, and I know I'm telling this to myself, you need three chords on a guitar. If yeah. you get three chords, the one chord the four chord and the five chord, you can play like, I don't know, 5,000 songs. Um, that's all you need, but it's getting those. If you get those first couple of chords down, then the most, the second step I think is just spending a lot of time enjoying playing them and playing, you know, different feels. And anyway, yeah, it, you don't, <laughs> it doesn't need to be as big a mountain as we tend to make it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're down to the final three questions, Bob. The okay. first one is an easy one. What is next for you? Anything exciting coming up? Uh, bunch, you mean just in general or with the, I mean, let's start with, uh, with the school. Anything exciting coming up there? Um, always exciting. Every week (laughs) is exciting. Um, well this year I'm, I'm, there's a bunch of things that I'm doing kind of some new and different with what's going on in there. Um, I'm starting to do more stuff with various like musical play alongs and drum loops and things where we're just, we're just 
each year gives me a chance to kind of like refocus. And so this year with the, with the students I have now, what, what I'm excited about is I am in the process right now of taking the things they've been telling me over the last two months in the forum, like, what would you like to see lessons on? What can I help you most with? So I'm in a place right now where I'm getting a lot of information from them uh, that helps me create new stuff. And I love being in that place because it's not, I'm not going like, I don't know what I should, what should I do for them? I have like more ideas than I can possibly handle. So it's, so I'm focused on trying to create lessons, courses, what courses, whatever I'm going to make for them right now over this coming year you know, it, it, I'm in that process. So, um, and I'll be doing my saxophone retreat for the third summer in a row. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on. Okay, cool. And then the second one, where can people find out more about you and your work? Best place is Bob Reynolds Okay. That was easy. The last one, Bob, what is your why? Why do you get up and do this every day? Um, Should I lay down on the couch for this part? <laughs> like this. I love it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you know, that's, I do think about that. I don't know that I have an answer for it. I don't know that it's one answer. Um, I mean, I think I kind of gave you some of it already just in terms of like what I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about it. it I, it, I never, like, I love being able to, to wake up and know I'm doing something that I want to do and help people like like I love I'm excited that I get to do things that um, that I enjoy doing and that are challenging to me and all parts of what I do are challenging from playing the instrument to writing music to building the websites to creating the lessons to editing the video the right the, all of it um, I enjoy all parts of it in different ways but the most thrilling part is the feedback I get from the people I'm able to to help it's like it's like I get to help them uncover something they already have that they didn't know that they had and that's just like endlessly thrilling um for me anyway I mean like when I do whether it's through a video and I get comments or whether it's when I'm teaching in a master class in person and and somebody says like God, it's like I've heard it in different ways before, but it just never made sense. And the way you said it just is, is so clear. And now, like, I understand it. I had a woman who was 60 something years old. And after one of my clinics, she was like, I I never I was always stuck. But I think I'm going to go home and pull my flute back out because now I think I know what I could do or whatever. I just find that it just is very exciting for me. Well, I love your enthusiasm. I can feel the energy. Thank you for being on the show and sharing your story and well, your journey with us, Bob. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Man, Bob is just super enthusiastic about his school, his students, his craft. I absolutely loved, loved, loved interviewing him. And listening to that again made me want to uh, to try to learn the guitar one last time. Just one last time. <laughs> so thank you, Bob, for being on the show. Great stuff there. If you enjoyed the interview, please definitely check out Bob's sites and his school. You can find all of that information in the show notes, which are at zencourses.co slash 047 for episode 47. Again, that's zencourses.co slash 047. All right. My name is Janelle Allen, and this has been the Zen Courses Show. Thank you for lending me your ears for one more episode. 
I will see you next time.